with Siata Dichmania, let's continue on learning as brought down by the base Halevi on what is truly, what it truly means to have Ahavas Israel. And uh, we're going through some of these um, Yom Tovim so that we can understand exactly how they relate, how Hashem gave us each Yom Tov and its relation to Klad Israel and loving Klad Israel. So now let's go into Purim with Siata Dishmaya. So Purim, which celebrates a time of salvation for the Jewish people, is filled with hints of the close connection between Akdutz and our ability as a nation to merit Hashem's help. The first of these lessons comes from Yaros Devash, which quotes Haman's description of Klal Israel as he laid out to King Asaberosh the groundwork for his scheme. He said, there is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your land. And he says in uh, further uh, that the message was that the Jews were not unified. And so they were scattered and dispersed not only geographically, but in spirit as well. So under those circumstances, Haman well understood that the Jews had no hope that God would respond to their cry. So therefore he felt that this was the perfect time to strike. But Esther and Mordechai knew how to counter Haman's attack. And Esther told Mordechai, go assemble all the Jews. Bringing Klad Israel together was the only effective strategy to pursue, for it would disprove Haman's claim against them. Another significant hint comes from the same, from the name Mordechai. Dayaros, Davash, Quotes the Gemara's question, what is the source in the Torah for the name Mordechai? In answer, it cites the Pasuk in the Torah that mentions more drawer. More is a kind of musk used in the Ketorahs, incense. And shemen, hamishcha, oil for anointing. And drawer means pure. Thus, more drawer means pure musk. In Aramaic, pure musk is meira. Dachya. And these two words hint at the name of Mordechai. So therefore, Mordechai symbolizes the concept of the Ketorah, the incense offering in the Betamidash, and Ketorah symbolizes the concept of unity. So as the Yaros, Davash explains, the Ketorahs contain ten pleasant-smelling spices, but the eleventh spice, the Helbena, had a pungent, unpleasing, and unpleasant odor. And we would think that anything with an unpleasant scent would have no place in an offering in the big amigdash. And yet, without the helbana, the offering was not acceptable. So the Gemara in Kerisus explains that the inclusion of the helbana is meant to teach us that if we want God to hear the praise of the Jewish people, especially on a fast day, we have to bring together everyone, even the sinners, even the Jews who do not emit a good fragrance in a spiritual sense. So supporting this idea is the fact that Yom Kippur is called Yom Kippurim or Kippurim, like Purim, which means that Purim is the higher of the two. Our first prayer at the onset of Yom Kippur is called Nidre, in which we say the upper best deen and the lower base deen with the permission of God and with the permission of this congregation, we are allowing the sinners to come to the synagogue. And this unusual introduction is in fact the precise formula we need to open the gates of Shemayim to our prayers. So only when we include the sinners amongst us, when we approach Hashem as one united family, 
can we arouse the full measure of his compassion? So on Purim, we rise to this level easily. We send Mishloach Manos, give Matanos La Ev Yonim, and with food and drink, we create within ourselves an ex expansive, happy mood. We look upon our fellow Jews with love, which brings the Akdut that carries our prayers straight to their destination. So in the Megillah, when Haman described the Jewish people as a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed, to what was he referring? What caused the Jews to fall into this state? So a deeper look at this puzzle teaches us more about the connection between, between Purim and Agdut. We know that the beginning of the Jewish people's troubles was their willing attendance at Ashavero's party. Not only did they attend, but they enjoyed the pleasures set out for them there. As Mishle warns, one who is searching for desire will become separated. Sharei Teshuvah also says that. So explains that one who is pursuing his desires will automatically be separated from his friends. So people will become distant from him because others' desires and traits are different from his. And as the saying goes, you can't argue about taste. People are attracted to that which appeals to them and no one can talk them into wanting that which they do not want or rejecting that which they do want. So therefore, if a person's relationships are based on desire... The relationship will falter when the desires begin to take different directions. For example, if a marriage is based on the fact that the husband and wife are avid skiers who love skiing together, the relationship won't survive intact when, 20 years later, the husband's knees begin to fail him. Once the pleasure on which their connection was based no longer exists, the relationship falters. However, if a relationship is based on intellect and common spiritual goals, it survives the changes in the couple's material state of affairs. And this explains why the Jewish people followed the desires by going to the party and enjoying its pleasures. They became separated from one another. And to repair the situation, says the Pasuk, assemble all the Jews. This they did by fasting, because through fasting, they were able to break the desire that separated them. And that is why we fast on Tanis Esther every year before the Purim celebration. And furthermore, in this discussion on Hanukkah that we learned in Purim, Rav Chaim Vital says that the pleasure of the Seudah, Asheverosh, was similar to that of the generation of the desert when they ate and drank in front of the golden calf. And this too was a tale of both separation and agdut. Amatan Torah, the Torah tells us that the Jewish people encamped opposite the mountain, and as Rashi expounds, they were like one man with one heart. However, later in Parashah Ve'achiel, the Torah states that Moshe brought the nation together. Why, if they were united, did they need to be brought together? And the answer is that in the inter intervening time, they committed the sin of the golden calf. The people sat to eat and drink, as brought down in Shemot. And that caused them to become separated. And therefore, they needed to be reunited. Moshe assembled the entire assembly of Bnei Israel. So again, Regarding this verse, Rashi comments, make great groups and learn Torah in front of them. Learning the Torah is an intellectual pursuit and it therefore served as the uniting factor that repaired the divisiveness. This pattern of separation and reunification played out in the sin of the golden calf, which had its resolution on Yom Kippur and again at the sin of Asherero's party, which resolved with the fast of Esther. So in both cases, desire divided the nation and fasting the conquering of desire brought them adduce and in turn forgiveness. 
Purim is a festival replete with unity and love for one another. When, where, where, whether we are fulfilling the mitzvah of Mishloach Manos or Matanos Le'ev Yonim, Purim is the time when we break through the barriers of our selfishness and open our minds and hearts to others. How beautiful, how beautiful it is when the mitzvah of drinking wine and Purim causes one to joyfully embrace all those around him, regardless of their religious affiliation. And there's an interesting and perhaps lesser known lesson on the Havas Israel that we can glean from the Purim story. At the very end of Megillah's Esther, the verse states, For Mordechai HaYehudi was viceroy to King Ashaveros. He was a great man among the Jews and found favor with the multitude of his brethren. And interestingly, this applies that Mordechai was admired by only most of the Jewish people. It seemed quite strange that Mordechai, the leader, savior, and hero of the entire nation, was not admired by all of the Jewish people. So how can that be? And Rashi explains that as a result of Mordechai's involvement with government affairs, part of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish judges, distanced themselves from him since they felt that he was not learning as much Torah as he should. And Ibn Ezra, however, offers a different exp explanation. He writes, one cannot please everyone all the time. And the reason for this, he says, is because of the jealousy of brothers. Mordechai saved the Jewish nation. He was an Adam Gadol. And there was nothing improper with regard to Mordechai. But people found something because they were jealous. And this is an important message. Although you can't make everybody happy all the time, many times it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because there's something wrong with them. People are naturally jealous and it's hard to see someone else being successful. Human nature is such that if one sees someone successful, it bothers him because he's jealous. And therefore, he'll find something wrong with that person. So if you find yourself putting down or finding fault in someone who has experienced some type of success, even if the faults are true, ask yourself where these feelings are really coming from. Does it hurt to see that someone has surpassed you? Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen ve Amen.